Hi, everyone. Welcome to Exiles and Protectors. I'm Cassie. And I'm Denise. And today we're going to talk about an exile um, that we call the physically abused. And this is really going to be Denise's domain. Um, so take it away. Yes. So when I was a child, I mentioned this in um, the last episode of our podcast, I was uh, very physically abused by my father. Um, he was a very abusive person. Um, and it was a situation where I was a child. And so on the one hand, I depended on my parent for survival. Uh, but on the other hand, he was extremely abusive. And so I couldn't escape the situation. I was trapped in the situation. Um, and so I had to develop multiple coping mechanisms to deal with this situation, as you can probably imagine. Um, it's, some of the incidents that really stand out to me, just to give you um, an idea of the degree of physical abuse um, that he inflicted on me and my siblings. Um, for example, uh, I was in my bedroom one evening um, and I was trying to do homework uh, on the, the bedroom floor. I was in high school and my younger sister came into my bedroom to use the phone because she didn't have a phone in her bedroom. And this was of course before cell phones. And she kept uh, prank calling this boy that she liked. Uh, and I Class, kept telling classic her, 80s classic 80s move. thing uh, because you know, this was before caller ID too. So she could get away with it. Smooth way to catch a guy, by the way. Yes. <laughs> well, the problem was his parents were getting upset because it was getting late in the evening. It was probably nine or 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, it was waking them up. It was keeping them from going to bed. And so they called our house back. They were able to do the reverse. I think it was like star, star, not, six, star 69, star 69 yeah, back then. to, um, to, to trace the call back to the number that it came from. So they called our house. Well, of course this enraged my father um, because he was also trying to go to sleep. He had to get up at, at like, you know, 5 AM or something to go to work the next day. And I kept telling my sister to stop. And of course she wouldn't. And um, so he came bursting through the bedroom door. I mean, he almost tore it off the hinges. Mm. Um, he grabbed the phone out of her hand, yanked the entire cord out of the wall, um, threw it across the room, barely missed my head, mm. um, immediately started beating her. Um, I after many years at this point of going through this type of situation, um, at first I tried to stay out of it because I knew anytime I tried to intervene to help a younger sibling, I always got beaten too. And it never really stopped the beating. It never right. solved anything. Um, and I had warned her that this was going to happen. So I was kind of mad at her for bringing this whole thing down on us. Um, so at first I was trying to stay out of it and I kept my head down and I kept ignoring them, pretending like I was still doing my homework. And he didn't quite get enough satisfaction from just beating her until she was, you know, crying her eyes out. Um, so it infuriated him that I was trying to block them out and ignore what was happening. So after he felt like he had beat on her enough, he came over and kicked my homework all over the, all over the room, my notebook, my books, my pen, everything. And so I jumped up and I said, hey, why'd you do that? I'm not the one who was prank calling. 
so he punched me in the face and um my lower lip uh started bleeding and he turned around stormed out of the room went back to his room i opened the bedroom door to go try to go to the bathroom um to wash the blood off my face and to get a a cold washcloth to hold against my lip it was throbbing at this point Mm. um and as soon as i opened the door and tried to go out of my bedroom um he came back out into the hallway and he said you're not allowed out of that room if you open that door one more time i swear i will beat the shit out of you so i was stuck in my room um with you know blood uh, on my face and a swollen lip and um my sister crying in a heap on the floor um and you know neither one of us could leave the bedroom to you know go to the bathroom to even wash the blood off of us or to you know get an ice cube to put on the swollen lip or to even seek out our mother um or anybody you know for to try to console us and so i ended up waiting about an hour until i thought he was asleep and then i opened the door as quietly as i could and went to the bathroom uh, and by that time, the blood was, you know, dried all over my face and, and chin and neck. And I just had to wash it off, scrub it off with a washcloth. Mm. Um, but that was just one incident out of many, many, many incidents. Um, and you never really knew what was going to set him off. He would sometimes completely go off on us for something as minor as knocking over our drink at the dinner table and spilling the right. drink on the dinner table. He would fly into a rage and you know, push his chair back from the table and come over and yank us up out of our chair by our arm, you know, hard enough to almost dislocate our shoulder. And then holding us up in the air, dangling like a rag doll, he would unfasten his belt, pull it out from his pants, and then proceed to beat us mercilessly all over the back and butt and legs, arms, wherever, you know, he could hit us with that belt. Um, You know, and he would leave big bruises, you know, from, from the belt. You know, and he's, he did so many things like that. He would throw hard objects at us. He would slam us into walls. Um, He would slam us onto the floor, kick us, uh, slap us in the face. So there there was no doubt that you were physically abused. Like there was no gray area. Oh, there was no gray area at all. It wasn't, oh, could this be physical abuse? I'm not sure. It's borderline. No, it was very obvious physical abuse. What I think is interesting. So Denise and I had a conversation earlier about when she began to understand that, um, A, this is not typical. And B, that she actually could have a voice in this situation. Um, and, uh, I was actually super impressed at some of the things she told me about that. Um, but that leads really to the protector that you developed, the coping mechanism that you developed, um, as a result of dealing with this physical abuse for years and years and years. Yes. So, uh, when Cassie and I were talking about this earlier, um, I told her that it took me really until I was in high school, um, before I understood that this type of home life was not normal, that it was not typical, um, and that it was not okay. Um, but at that point I was still trapped in that situation where I still depended on my parents for survival. So I couldn't really stand up for myself just yet. But, um, all those years I had this rage that had been building 
um, toward my father. Um, it's just that I was not in a position where I could unleash it on him when I was still a child and depended on him for my survival. So of course, one of my coping mechanisms that I developed was my protector, the doormat, which we discussed in a previous episode, where I tried my best not to rock the boat, not to do anything that would set him off. Right. So the, which is a good, smart move which in was a situation a like move. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as I got older and realized, you know, hey, this is not right. Um, this is not normal. I don't deserve this kind of abuse. Um, you know, that rage was building up inside me, especially during my teenage years. And then by the time I went away to college, it had really built up to the point where if I saw anybody being abused, I would just erupt like a volcano. So that's what I call this protector that I developed. Um, I call her the volcano because she became this like fiery um, source of rage that would spill out of me whenever I witnessed um, this type of abuse. I'd say more explode out of you. It did. It just yeah. exploded. It just erupted out of me. Right. And the first time that I realized that I had this protector in me that was coming to the surface was when I was in college and um, I was sharing a house off campus with two female friends. And the one of my female friends, um, her parents owned the house and we were renting it from them. And her father, it turns out, was very physically abusive and verbally abusive like my father. And there was an episode one day where he came to the house and he um, went off on her and was in her face screaming at her. His face was blood red. Um, he started hitting her. And that's when this protector that I had created during my teenage years finally um, exploded to the surface. And I really became aware of her because even though I had been conditioned over my entire lifetime to try to flee that type of abuse. Um, so, you know, even though I still had that deeply ingrained in my body, um, I also sincerely wanted to protect my friend and I really wanted to stop the abuse. And so I was standing there with my legs literally shaking, just shaking violently. My whole body started shaking violently because my body was screaming to me, run, run. Yeah. You know, you have to get away from this person. He's a dangerous person. But at the same time, I really wanted to help and protect my friend. Um, and I'm a fiercely loyal person and I was very loyal to her, but I also wanted to protect her and I knew that she didn't deserve this type of abuse. And I, and you also wanted to retaliate against your own father yes, because, because you, were, you were seeing him embodied right there in another person. Yes. I mean, yeah, I could see my father's face on her father's body because they were behaving exactly the same way. Yeah. And so I exploded like a volcano all over him. I proceeded to um, curse at him like I never would have imagined myself cursing at an adult. Um, I uh, told him that if he didn't leave the house immediately and leave us alone, that I was going to call the police. And you called him a 
series of expletives. I called him a long string of expletives. Right. And I told him that if he did not leave the house and leave us alone, that I was calling the police and filing charges against him for assault and battery. And he looked at me in the most incredulous way. Like he could not believe this little girl, basically, because I think I was probably, you know, 19, 18, 19 years old, was standing up to him in this way and being so fierce about it. Mm -hmm. I had never known that I could be that fierce until I was put in that situation. And it worked. He left. And my friend just dissolved in a puddle of tears and hugged me and, you know, thanked me for, you know, helping her, you know, trying to protect her from her father. And that incident made me acutely aware, not subconsciously, because she was there all the time subconsciously, but it made me consciously aware for the first time in my life of this rage that I had inside me and this protector, the volcano that had the ability to actually stand up for myself, but also stand up for others who were being abused. Right. And so I, I it was sort of empowering um, in were, a way. And you were able, you said at, at a later point to use it actually on your father when he slapped you in the face. Yes. You went, you went back home. Um, because, you know, I had never been able to unleash that rage on my father because I had always been dependent on him, you know, for my survival as a child. Um, but I was, you know, over the age of 18, I was legally an adult now. And once that I discovered this volcano inside me, um, it was hard to put that genie back in the bottle once it was let out. And so on a subsequent visit, um, to my parents' home one weekend from college, my dad was um, angry at me for something. And I don't even remember what he was angry at me about, but um, he was screaming in my face, um, his whole face and head and neck turned red. And it instantly made me think of that situation where my friend's father was screaming in her face. And then I said something to him um, you know, to defend myself. Uh, I wasn't, you know, letting him make me cower in fear uh, or dissolve into a puddle of tears like I did when I was a young child. And that really infuriated him that I was standing up for myself for the first time to him, you know, that I stood up to him for the very first time in my life. And so he slapped me hard in the face. And I was able to call on that protector, that volcano, I was able to draw on that rage to stand up to him and tell him that if he ever touched me again, I would call the police and report him for assault and battery. Because you were now an adult and he would be charged. Because I was now over the age of 18. I was right. legally an adult and I had the power to do that. And you have to remember as well, this was back in the 80s and parents technically were kind of allowed to get away with beating their kids back then without really the cops intervening, children's services intervening, and had to be of an extreme awful nature for parents to be charged back then. It was considered a family matter and people didn't get involved. And so, you know, the, the things that are in place now were not in place back then to no. protect children. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, and so that's how uh, I finally, you know, after I became an adult, that I was able to call on that protector to protect me from my father. Because once I showed that protector to my father, he never 
hit me again. Right. And I, and one of the things we wanted to talk about today is the fact that um, we know a lot of people who have, you know, what we simply call anger issues. And, you know, what, what I think might be happening with them is they're, they have the same protector that Denise has, but they're overusing it. They are seeing threats where there are none from people who, you know, may not have any ill intent toward them. Um, you know, these are the people that fly off the handle for no reason. They're the people who, um, you know, we would call maybe an asshole. Yeah. Because they're just so quick to react with anger. And it's the type of person that, you know, when you're in their presence, you get this feeling that they have, they always at all times have rage seething under the surface. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I know people like that. Yeah, um, I do too. And it, in the, in the slightest little, oh, I don't know what the word is. Trigger. Anything can trigger them. Right. And it doesn't have to be, you know, it can be something you say casually. It, it could be a joke. You know, not, not that, you know, you know, I know extreme sarcasm done over and over again is not a joke. It's, it's, that's a problem, but you know, they will fly off the handle at just about anything. And, and the sad part for them is they really do, they push people away because they're afraid of being hurt again, but they're closing themselves off to people who don't want to do them harm. Um, and, and so in the end, it, it's, it's a really sad, sad situation for them. And not only does it um, sometimes prevent them from being able to develop close nurturing relationships with other people, because they tend to drive other people away mm -hmm. with their constant anger and rage, um, but it can also lead them to become abusive. Mm. So... Um, I do believe that my own father was um, abused as a, as a child. And so that rage, it, just like with me, that rage built up in him throughout his entire childhood. Mm -hmm. And then when he became an adult, he didn't know how to turn that off. Yeah. And luckily in my case, I've, I've learned how to control my volcano and I mean, I know I, this is just my own opinion of myself. Um, you know, we, we could maybe ask other people, my kids, my <laughs> husband, my friends. Um, but my opinion is that I've learned how to manage and control that volcano so that I only bring it out on very rare occasions when I truly feel threatened. Yeah, um, appropriate. Physically appropriate threatened. Occasions. Yes, right. appropriate occasions. Right. When I really feel physically threatened or I see another a helpless person being physically abused or threatened. Yes. Um, that's when I bring that volcano out. Unfortunately, my dad and other people like him um, who developed that volcano, that protector, um, never learned how to turn it off. Yeah, they use it on everybody. And they use it on everybody. Yeah. And um, especially on people who are too small or too weak or too helpless or too vulnerable to really be able to fight back physically against them. Well, they, they say when, um, you know, one of the things that they tell women is that the, the men who will attack you are looking for the weak. 
Yeah. They and, and specifically that, target. And they teach us skills. Like if you feel like you're being followed, you turn around and you look that person directly in the eye and you stop. And they tell you most of the time they'll go away because they don't want a challenge. You know, they want the person who's going to be scared and, and crumple up because they know they've got the power over them. And if you don't give them that power, you know, which is a horrible thing for women to have to deal with, you know, of course, <laughs> yeah, you know, we can get into the whole, that whole thing, but you know, but they, you're right. They do look for people who they know are going to, uh, they're going to crumble from that anger and they're going to be afraid and they're going to let that person attack. Yeah. And so unfortunately, um, in most cases, the people who were abused as children, um, who develop that uh, protective mechanism, that protector, the volcano, um, and they have that rage build up their entire childhood, um, instead of being able to just turn that protector on and off, uh, only bring that protector to the forefront when they really need to, to protect yes. themselves or to protect others, they're never able to switch it off. They're never able to talk to that protector and explain to that protector that not everybody's a threat, not every situation calls for the protector to be there. Yeah. And they're not able to put it um, away. And so it's there all the time. And, and, you know, if they could, you know, do this IFS process like you and I have been doing, they could actually say to their protector, listen, I'm going to give you a list of markers that when you see these, it's okay for you to come out. You know, and you see ABCDF happening. That's when I need you. If you only see A, maybe not. Yeah. And if you see A and B, stand by, but I will let you know. But, but, you know, it's, um, you don't want your coping mechanisms to become your, your worst enemy. And, you know, that's what, that's what this podcast is all about is understanding what we do, why we do it and only using them when we need to. Yeah. And not letting them completely control our lives in the, in the present moment. Right. Um, because you know, they, they can ruin your life. Of course, you can end up being an abusive person yourself, abusing your partner, your children. Yeah, or driving away everyone you love. Or driving away everyone, not being able to develop friendships, close friendships right. or have um, romantic relationships romantic relationships that are nurturing and fulfilling. Um, it can ruin your life yeah. if, if you don't know when and where to use that protector. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this was an awesome episode. I loved hearing uh, uh, your perspective on this. Um, I uh, fortunately, I did not experience anything like that in childhood. So um, I think it's fascinating to get to listen to the mind of someone who who went through that and has come out um, happier and healthier on the other side. So good job, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.